Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Whether you want us to plug your website, your movie, your small business, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. It's an incredible deal. So once again, that URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is Jenna Ipcar. Hello. And our very special guest here in person, not on Skype like we used to previously, Brad Avery. Hey. Good to have you, man. Good to have you in the flesh. It is good to be here. Yeah. How's it How's it feel being in, in Smug Film Studios? I think we were saying earlier, it's just like being in a slaughterhouse. <laughs> It's like seeing the meat made, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Brad is here today in town traveling, I suppose. Yeah, I'm just... Um, is this a joyride? This is a joyride. I uh, I have a full-time job now, and they offer me vacation time. Look so at I took, you. So I took some vacation time, and I came down to New York to just pretty much hang out. I have some friends in Queens that I'm staying with and meet up with you guys, and just kind of... I've been wandering the cities... Well, they're at work all day. So today I went to Union Square and then I went to the Whitney. Yesterday I went to the Museum of the Moving Image and eating a lot of street food. Right on. Would you call this city the Big Apple? The Big Apple. Would I call it that? Not to anyone's face. All right. All right. Good answer. Good <laughs> answer. So did you like uh, Did you like the Whitney? Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, let's see. They had a... Uh, Frank Stella on display. Okay. And uh, the, he's got hey, these... Hey, he was on display? <laughs> yes, yes. His, the actual Frank Stella. Hey, <laughs> his hanging meat. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Jeez, there's a theme. <laughs> so he... No, his sculptures are like these big, like mechanical kind of um, monstrosities. They look like something caught in the middle of like transforming. Mm. Like, um, actually thinking of like uh, John's piece on say, Michael yeah. Bay John and like Amico's. the futurists... Michael Bay piece, futurist uh, influence on the Transformers yeah. films. If you haven't seen that one already, check it out on the website. Or even like, um, I kept thinking of like lowbrow movies like the Liquid Metal Terminator or the thing in Carpenter's The Thing of these like monstrosities that are going to consume and kill you, but they're in the midst of transformation. Mm. And he also had like a lot of really cool like, um, what, are, what are they called? They're just kind of uh, parallelograms. Okay. And sort of very colorful. And then I went and I checked out their their general collection and they had some more modern art on display. And I uh, was sitting in, they have like a screening room where, where they were showing a bunch of old, old experimental films like Free Radicals and like some Maya Darren stuff and all that. So I was watching those for like uh, 20 minutes or so. And people kept using their phones during it. 
And I'm like, why are you you doing this? Like I yeah. the woman next to me was like looking at some uh like weird panorama of like rooftops and it kept making the shutter sound. So I just mm-hmm. said to her, I'm like, I'm trying to watch this art. You came to to look at art. Why are you acting? Was that your meat cute? Did you guys go on a date after that? No, nope. You, know, I, you guys know what a meat she, cute is, right? Yeah. No, I don't know what it is. That could have been a meat cute. It's a in the romantic comedy genre, the like inciting incident for the romance is called the meet cute because it's like the cute way that people meet. It's always like, you know, like the doors of the subway open and they lock eyes. Yeah. But in your case, it's like you're you're there for the art. She's a little bit distracted. She's a little bit frazzled, but like your opposites attract. So you're like, can you chill with your like your phone and then she gives like a snappy retort and then you guys end up going and getting drinks and then you fall in love you're married is I what mean, we're saying she also looked like she was like 55 hey adorable yeah i think you, i think you met the one oh <laughs> uh let's see i also um i did that i went to museum moving image yesterday it's my favorite place all right let's talk about that now it's a damn good place they have on display right now this sort of it's called walkers and it's a sort of like postmodern film and art combination of like contemporary art that has reappropriated film image or reused Chuck it. Norris influence or uh no um, different kind of walker yeah okay not even the Alex Cox walker just it was called walkers plural but um you know some of it w- with that kind of postmodern art some of it you get is really fascinating cool and some of it just pisses you off because oh, yeah. it's so like lazy and just up its own ass. Give like, me some examples. Okay. So of an Did example. Did you try using one of the urinals that you then found out with a, was like a piece or something? Mm-hmm. Or No, no. It was, um, I went into this one room and it was all Western themed and they had a lot of Wild Bunch stuff and it was mixed in with like artifacts. So they had like from the searchers, they had John Wayne's screenplay and they had the original title cards of like John Ford's directed by John Ford That's title cool. card. And it all looked really cool, but it was mixed in with other like contemporary art that like reappropriated the images. Mm. And there was one that was a poster of the wild bunch and all the guy had done was just folded it upward. So it only, it was an original poster of the wild bunch from the theatrical run and all it just had the top tagline and that was it. And it was folded and framed and that was mm. the piece. It just made me angry. At that the would piece. make me angry too, man. Cause I'm just like, you know, what's more interesting to look at the poster for the wild bunch. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would love to just look at the original poster. Yeah, I would love that framed in a museum. It's mm-hmm. fine. But, you know, some of the stuff they had was cool. They had like... um. Did they have the Exorcist girl still? Yeah, that was over in the main section where... They, um, it's like around like the animatronics or something. Yeah, or, yeah. It's all sort of different props. They have the Exorcist girl. And it's they pretty... Have, like, it looks really good up close. They have like the fake giant Freddy Krueger sweater. Right. From like the fourth Nightmare on Elm Street. And Wolfen and Is Blade it? Runner. Yes, they have the Blade Runner, the skyscraper yeah. model. They had that. Um, downstairs, they had Chewbacca's head, hmm. oh, really? which is good. Did they have Yoda still there? I didn't see Yoda. I saw Yoda there when I was a kid. I guess Yoda's moving around. I don't know. They had um, a, um, I don't know, a sculpture or a mask or whatever of Eddie Murphy as Gumby from Saturday Night Live. Huh. Really? So that was kind of terrifying to look at. A little weird. Yeah. Did they, did they still have those ones where like... Is it called like a Nickelodeon or whatever, where you peek in the thing and then you rotate the thing yeah, and it plays those. a little movie? Yeah. Did you try those out? Yeah, yeah. They had a King Kong one. Nice. That I looked at. That's fun, right? Yeah, that was fun. They had a, they had video games you could play. So I played a little... Um, I yeah, tried, they had like Pong. 
Yeah, that you can't broader. play Pong. You're not allowed to touch the Pong machine. Uh-huh. But um, what do they have? They had Space Invaders that I couldn't get to work. They had Breakout, which did work. They had a Sega, a Nintendo, and a Atari on display, and you could play Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog. Hmm. They had a lot of, you know, various... They had a bunch of Star Trek and Star Wars toys. They had a lot, a whole lot of kind of movie tie-in products in there. And there was this whole, you know, glass case of, like, original Star Wars action figures from when each of the movies were released. Yeah. And I'm just, like, I'm looking at... And it's just... You could buy a house with those, probably. Probably. I got most of them. Yeah. yeah I totally do. You got, like, really expensive ones, too? I have all the original, because my father did. My father yeah. collected them. And then as a kid, we would always buy him, like, we go to, like, a flea market and buy him the ones he didn't have. Right. So they're not, like, in box or anything, but they have their original accessories. We keep mm-hmm. them in a nice thing. That's cool. They're great. Those are great toys. Yeah, they look good. They're, yeah. they're, they're tiny. Yeah. yeah. They look They're like, smaller than you would expect, yeah. Yeah, nowadays they're the type of thing that would come from a cereal box, because, like, modern action figures have to be big. Mm-hmm. and exciting and action-packed and they have to like flip their arms up or something can i i was just bitching about you know there's a whole the thing about not to get into star wars again but there is a whole announcement how they're not going to do the slave leia thing for disney anymore what do you mean they're going to stop making toys that are or like you know action figures with her in that slave costume hmm. which i thought was fantastic because if you look at those original pictures the original um action figures of leia they have her in every single costume that she has in, in all of Star Wars, except for that one, because fuck that one. She has so many great outfits, and you never, ever, ever see her in that. That's them. a good point. She does have a lot of the really Cloud good outfits. The Cloud City outfit is fucking great. That's such a beautiful outfit. It's I think I, I heard that it was made out of curtain. It's because Lando's a fucking pimp, dude. Dude, it's like this so 70s awesome yeah, dress and like in, in pantsuit. She dude. was his bottom bitch when she was over there. <laughs> It is so good. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. It is the best, and I'm so happy that they're going to fucking move on from the stupid slave thing that even Carrie Fisher hated. Yeah. You know, come on. I like, never had any it. affection for the first act of Return of the Jedi. I'm all third act Return of the Jedi. That's what I like of that film, personally. I'm a big fan of Jabba. I think the the most emotionally affecting scene in that whole series is when the the one Ewok goes over and he's trying to wake up his dead Ewok friend. Oh, yeah. And it's like just a little tragedy right there in one simple scene. He's it's like a nice at, little vignette. He Lucas is really good at those simple moments. Like I remember Alex Hyatt wrote a piece about the Kuleshov effect for the site. And he pointed out the the scene in, in the original Star Wars, New Hope, where um, C-3PO looks to Leia once it's announced that R2 is like dead or whatever, even though he's, he didn't, spoiler alert, he's fine. But like he looks to her and like nobody's having any emotional reaction whatsoever. And then he just looks back and on his face, it, you know, it's just the static C3PO face. And it's just his head turning and seeing that nobody is having any emotional reaction. Then he just turns back and feels very alone with his sadness. And Lucas is really good at those little short moments because that shit sticks in your head, man. That's affecting that Ewok thing. I'm not the big, I'm not big on Ewoks, but that's, that's a hell of a moment. I remember that moment clearly. Yeah. They're like not the most, I mean, it was kind of a mistake overall to like put them in, I think, but that one moment like pays off for the entire movie of just like that one little perfect scene of the, the sad Ewok trying to wake up his friend. It's, yeah. it's just perfect little moment in that, that movie. Mm. Why are the Ewoks a mistake? I don't like them. They're, I don't like them either. A lot of people Do you like don't the like Jawas? Them. They're fine. I mean, See, but they're, they're why, sinister. What's your problem? Because they're I like, sinister. I don't like the either. The Ewoks try to eat everyone. 
they're yeah, not but they're friendly like te- and they're weird looking. They're like teddy bears. No, they're very evil they're, looking. They're designed to sell teddy bears, I think. I don't like either. I don't like the Jawas. I don't like the like, Ewoks. The Jawas have like those hoods and no face, so they're kind of like creepy. And you're like, what the hell? Are I don't these like things? their voices. I like the look of them. I don't like their voices. They're exactly the same thing as the Ewoks. All right, what else did you see in New York City? All right, or I that saw. Museum? I, s- I went. Oh, I was going to say. Whatever you want to say. I went to the film <laughs> forum and saw a movie that wasn't Star Wars. I saw Johnny Guitar. Oh, really? Oh, right yeah, on. which I'd never seen before, and I fucking loved it. Yeah, man. It was so good. <laughs> that movie was like, I very rarely give a movie like five stars that I've seen for the first time. I usually have to be like, I have to see it a couple times, and I'm like, yeah, this is a five-star movie. I'm like, nope, five stars off the bat. This movie's great, the, the Joan Crawford one. It's one of those movies where I'm struggling to like articulate what it was about that movie that I like so much. It just, it really defies all your expectations of a Western. It's one of those movies I feel like I would show to people who say they don't like Westerns because it's one that just kind of throws the whole rule book out the door or out the window, whatever the phrase is. And you can uh, throw it wherever you want. It's it's your rule book. Burn the rule book. It's your house. (laughs) But yeah, like it's very psychological. It's very strange with the, um, especially with the gender dynamics and all that. And with kind of just Joan Crawford owns that movie or, or something like the ambient sound of like she tells the guy like to to spin the the roulette wheel and it just it's that clicking doesn't stop for like a, quite a while and it's just going on in the background but you don't forget it it doesn't blend into the background it's mm. a very present sound effect until she, and then she finally just says all right stop it as just as things are getting too tense and so it kind of is like this very effective way of of building this tension because you got this really weird somewhat annoying but uh, but still ambient sound in the background and that's just the v- beginning of the movie and it really sets the tone for the whole thing of of what's going to happen and then you have all these you have these beautiful moments where she's they show up and she's in that white dress playing the piano and the way he he frames that wide shot of her just playing the piano it is this very eerie moment have, have you both seen it or I saw it a very long time ago on like a shitty DVD, so I'm I'm really jealous that you got to see it. Yeah, it's like a 4K restoration. Oh my god, it's gorgeous! That's, it's, that's I've incredible. always been meaning. It's like it's one of those movies everyone tells me to watch, and I'm like, sounds great. I really want to watch it, and I just haven't. <laughs> yeah, no. And then um, I don't know the actress who plays the the villain. The villain's name is Emma. I don't know the actress's name. She's great in it. And then Ernest Borgnine plays a real son of a bitch, and I always love him when he plays sons of bitches. He's always great in that. <laughs> yeah, type he's of role. fun. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that, that got me to the topic of like this month, I've had a lot of really good like theater viewings, like going to the movies and seeing something and none of them have been like a conventional new release, but like all of them have been really like stuck in my mind movies that are very interesting. And it, it kind of kicked off at the beginning of the month, which it was technically for Halloween, but because Halloween was a Saturday, the theater I used to work at the Coolidge Corner Theater in Brookline, I don't work there anymore, but they uh, they do a all night long midnight to noon Halloween horror movie marathon every year. It's a for like I think it's the eleventh or twelfth year, and this year it was on Halloween, which meant it was really on November first. Right. But it was uh, seven movies. I made it through the whole thing for the first time from beginning to end. And they played uh, the double feature, which is like the double bill, was a uh, trick or treat. Oh, nice! One, I love that one. Yeah, like I had never seen it before. I've seen that about like six times in the last three years. I adore that fucking thing. It's great. I I went into that one, no expectations. Actually, probably low expectations. Probably, yeah. I think I, was, I wasn't 
expecting much from that one because for something that contemporary to be considered like a classic, it's like, all right, well, prove it kind of thing. Like when you start watching, but that's a that's a bona fide classic, I would say at this point. It's a good one to kick off like a whole night of movies too, because it's one that grabs your attention right off the bat, yeah. and then like it really holds on to it the whole time because it moves quickly. It's very vibrant. It's very mm-hmm. visual. It, it really weaves those stories together well and um, very uniquely. I haven't yeah. seen an anthology film that sort of incestuous with the stories where they, they mash up really well. What they'll always do is they'll be like, they'll tell you each story. And then at the end, one of the monsters from like the first story will pop up in the, right. the, uh, the bookend story. Yeah. This was as good the way it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not like Altman or anything, but just that ensemble style. It's more of an ensemble movie than it is an anthology story. And it really has like a beginning, middle and end, even though it's multiple stories. Like you feel like, you saw a complete film rather than you saw like with a lot of those anthology ones, it's like, all right, there's one dud. There's one really, really good one. There's a couple bad ones. There's maybe a middle road, you know, like, and, but this one, you feel like satisfied. You feel like, yeah. And like some of them are cornier than the others, but it does it really well. Like I'll, I'll, I'll spoil one of them now, but like when they're doing that thing with the vampire in the middle and you're like, it was kind of like eye rolling, like, okay, this one's yeah, kind of pays dumb. off. It really pays off well. Yeah. Let's not ruin yeah. the payoff, but uh, uh, yeah, but no, like, yeah, absolutely. That payoff was was perfect because when that finally happened, I'm like, yes, this is this is great. And it ruined what was going to be a really dumb story to waste time on and turned it into a really great like addition to the movie. It was a good bait and switch. Yeah. For the next movie, I wish I could legally tell you that they played Halloween, but um legally they didn't have the rights to do it okay so uh i'm so gonna you tell you what it would have been like had they played halloween in defiance of uh right. of the studio got it on an old like which good you, why print. would they ever defy the studio no that would be wrong i mean the studio told them hey we're playing halloween nationwide we're not letting art houses do uh repertory screenings this year mm-hmm. and uh you know they would never just say fuck you and just play it anyway never no that would never no, happen i i can't conceive of that happening no or having had happened. Rather. Yeah, ever. If it had happened, it would have been on a very nice, like, uh, old ratty 78 mm. kind of pinkish print, but with a lot of character to it. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the thing about that movie is it's a lot slower than I remember, but it's also kind of like, I, I, one thing I forgot is I don't establish that he's her brother in that movie until the second one, right? Yeah. Which I thought they did in the first one. And it makes sense for like why he went to her. But I, I guess some people prefer the the sort of like weird, you don't know who this guy is or why he's doing this type deal. Right. But it's hard to it's hard to put that later information out of your mind when you watch that first one because you watch it with that in your head. It's it's like it's just there now. You can't turn off that information. So I, I, I will never know what it's like to watch that first one completely cold and not knowing that it's kind of like the Star Wars thing. Like it. <laughs> you're so ruined by it that it's just kind of like what are you gonna do you yeah or like psycho yeah uh i thought I, you had something to say. i haven't seen it i yawned <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry no you know it sounds good cody's gone been going on about it so Hello. i have halloween yeah i mean it's it's okay i don't want i don't want to overhype halloween for you because you still haven't seen halloween and you should at some point but i don't want to overhype it it's a film that I think has been overhyped to a point where it's so synonymous with horror at this point 
And it's just a good horror movie, but it's not like it's it's not this Citizen Kane of horror that you can have the impression of it being if you haven't seen it, maybe. I think it's one that um, honestly suffers with time because all the movies that have come since it just aped it and, and did it all and rehashed it back and forth. I'm actually I, I watched this year. I watched um, the Rob Zombie Halloween movies for the first time. Mm-hmm. And those movies I really, really love them. Yeah. Um, the second one, I think, but is better than the first one. And a lot of people don't like it because they don't specifically don't like all the focus on young Michael Myers. But I think that's what makes a movie. And then the second half where he's just remaking the original is is still pretty solid and good. But um, he, he kind of takes that whole promise that he had in House, House of a Thousand Corpses, which is sort of his, his student film where he indulges in every single little trick that most people get out of their right. uh, system in film school. So he had a studio backing a student film and uh, house of a thousand corpses is a mess as a result. But then with his later films, you can see like he's refined that he's narrowed that focus and he knows how to make something that's very in your face and flashy and violent, but colorful and, and kind of fun while also being terrifying. And he manages to hone that. And he does that with the Halloween movies and I think if those movies didn't have that whole like 20 years of, of baggage and of uh, legacy to them, uh, his versions wouldn't work. But um, because they do and because they're so well known, he's able to really play with the slasher genre and he's yeah. really able to comment on it. Like in the second one, he gets really into the sort of the morality of like serial killer sensationalism, which is interesting because he's totally the type of dude who knows all about that and has done it himself. But like he he uses Malcolm McDowell to play like this absolute bastard. He he there's this one scene where he uh there's a scene where he's signing autographs, that's what I was saying. And the dude comes up to him, he's like, Oh yeah, Michael Myers, he's uh crazier than Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer. He's like, he's next level man. And that scene is so perfect because by invoking those real life serial killers, it takes it out of the realm of slasher movie horror. And more into like the reality of like his victims are like real people, yeah, with real like families and lives they were gonna live. And every death in his movie in these movies are really brutal. And it just drives home the fact that this this is horrible. Like these people don't deserve this. Like these are just innocent people who have been murdered brutally for no reason yeah. other than to be caught in the path of a this this monster. So I, I kind of think that after watching this, because I forgot that the, the next movie in the marathon was the original Halloween 2. So mm. that breaks right into it. Watching those and then going back and watching the originals, supposedly watching the first one, I kind of have to go with the Rob Zombie versions. Right which, on. Which is like movie blasphemy, but I don't care. Well, I've never, I've never been fond of um, the original Halloween 2. I, I think everybody kind, of, everybody kind of agrees it's not as good as the first one. I mean... But um, it's really hard at like 4 a.m. I've always been big on Halloween three, the departure from the whole J from the whole. uh, I almost called him Jason. That was sacrilege. The whole Michael Myers thing. I really thought you were going to say J. Edgar Hoover. I I genuinely (laughs) thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah, it's a bit of departure from J. Edgar Hoover. Thank you. But uh, I Halloween three. That's my idea of fun Halloween movie and i'm saying that as far as like the holiday you know what i mean like it it really that's one of those fun movies that just like you could throw that on on halloween you're gonna have a great time and i think that's 
that was their intention when they started with three. They were like, all right, we'll, we'll do like an anthology thing where like every every year we'll do another Halloween movie and it'll be like a movie you could watch on Halloween. It'll be fun and there'll be a different kind of thing going on. And everybody's like, yeah, no, we just want more Michael Myers. And they were like, okay, I guess. All right, that, that experiment didn't work. But I love that Halloween three over the years, over the decades, people have been like, yeah, that was pretty good. Pretty interesting film. I just saw it for the first time also in the theater at a midnight screening because oh, yeah. they did it like the week before the marathon. Uh-huh. So I went to go see that and um, it just threw me through a loop. Like I knew what to expect and that I didn't know what the story was, but I knew like it had nothing to do with Michael Myers and that people didn't like it because of that. But even knowing that it still throws you through a loop with like how ridiculous it is and like how nonsensical it gets at the end with all these uh, like computers and it gets kind of like indiana jones towards the end like it has like that weird the 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 reveal of like the crazy stuff that's going on it has that like everything gets scaled up hugely it has that like tom atkins becomes like an indiana jones character at a certain point you know you're right because the ending feels a lot like uh, the ending of raiders of the lost Ark when they're summoning the uh the spirits or whatever yep and uh it's very much like opening the ark of the covenant yep See, I love Tom Atkins, so that steers me through that whole movie. I just love watching him. I love his mustache. I love his face. Good man, that Tom Atkins. Rest in peace. Did he die? I don't know. I think he's still alive, I guy. just said that. <laughs> no, uh, a friend of mine took a picture with him uh, recently. I think my friend Brian. Before he stabbed him. <laughs> no, he's alive. Tom Atkins is alive, listeners. He's probably like 80. I don't know. But, well, if he's alive, he should call in. Tom Atkins, call in, leave a voicemail, 718-395-9711. Prove you're not dead. You don't have to prove anything to Brad. Just call in, just (laughs) say hello to me. But if he is dead, I do want his ghost to call too. Mm -hmm. But he's not. He's real and he's flesh and blood just like us. He's a human being and he's alive. All right. Um, Okay, so yeah, watching Halloween 2, the original at 4 a.m. is like a slog. That movie's really slow and not much happens. Yeah, fuck that shit. That's yeah. what that's the time to take a dump, uh, pee, <laughs> yeah, I get didn't. some more popcorn. Instead, I slept through the next movie while well, I like half an hour's worth of it, which was Night of the Demons. You ever see that? It's, I don't it's think corny. I have. It's got like Linnea Quigley in it, and like yeah, bunch, I, I'm familiar with it. A bunch of dumb '80s teenagers go to like a dumb haunted house. Wait, they, so this was kind of like your hashtag all my movies like Shia LaBeouf scenario right sort of you're kind of doing that but you weren't in the films <laughs> i like that that's now the standard it's no one can have a marathon it's just like yeah. oh, oh you're doing a, all my movies thing right yeah yeah like two weeks before you did that i know he Whoa, fucking, you were the original see but shy is his whole art thing is that he's always stealing from other people and oh, plagiarizing so- plagiarize brad avery except mm. brad isn't in any of those all right, i want movies. shia LaBeouf to, to call it? us and apologize apologize yeah. to brad for stealing all my movies i don't know whatever but um yeah so did you experience any like malaise did you lose your mind at all um i got like a like a nick in my neck from like like sleeping weird on my shoulder how many people were in the theater okay it was sold out it was a 430 person theater wow by the end it was like you and the cleaning lady no by the end like about 150 people made it that's impressive yeah um going through the next next movie with Pumpkinhead, which i made it all the way through that's a lance henrickson one yeah lance henrickson he's always fun yeah that's that's a i like how relentless it is it gets it gets going very quickly and then it's done like and then uh after that was uh the hitcher 
which um i don't think i ever saw the hitch you know like i i had to take a break because i was feeling nauseous from being up all night and it was the sun was coming up so i went over got to the bagel place and i got a bagel and then i came back in about, oh so you can leave yeah you're not like chained to the theater oh good god you're not like oh thank lord locked in um <laughs> i thought you could like walk in the premises and like wander about and stretch your legs but i didn't know you could go to the bagel place yeah no i went to the bagel place and then i got a bagel and i what uh, kind of bagel did you get i think it was everything okay i can I, get down with an everything i can't just pick one thing i gotta have it all i'm a poppy seed man yeah poppies. everything has poppy seeds yeah and it has the, the onion flavor and it has a yeah i know it's on an everything yeah. bagel i don't here's the thing <laughs> i wish there was everything bagel that didn't have the salt on it you know what i mean that's the it, best goddamn yeah. No, what's wrong with you? Bagel. But I want an everything bagel with no salt. I wish that existed because the salt. Oh, your vegan bagel. No, it's get <laughs> it's got too much stuff. It's like you don't get to taste the stuff as much because there's too much salt. Because you don't want everything, Cody. Just fucking admit it. I want a almost everything bagel. Yeah, you, that's right. You what aim you, lower. What do you put on your bagel? Um, no, I just make a sandwich Kale? with it. Oh. I, uh, I'll slice it in half and then I'll make whatever sandwich I'm making, but with the mm. bagel as the bread. If, if I'm making a bagel, I'm just going to use, a, I mean, a sandwich with a bagel. I'm just going to use a plain bagel. I'm not going to use everything. This guy over here. Yeah. No, but you get, the, you don't even like, the thing about making a sandwich with a bagel, can't believe I need, even need to explain this <laughs> concept to you people, but you don't get, you don't have to use like mustard. You don't have to use barely anything. You just put whatever you're putting on your sandwich except for like extra condiments. And then the flavor of the bagel flavors your sandwich. I've never mm. considered mm. that. I've always just thought of it as excess bread. Whatever. Mm. I like the little hole you get with your sandwich bagel. You get a little hole in the middle. It's like a, a reprieve. Like a peep for what's to come. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So yeah, the hitcher, I watched like the second half of that movie and it was great. And I like, it made me pissed off that like, I didn't like, get to skip pumpkin head or something which is fine but like it's not the hitcher yeah that second half of that movie no i've heard that's a really great. good film and it's not even a horror movie really it's more of an action thriller and like rucker hauer is this yep. crazy guy and like the scene i walked in on is this massive chase with helicopters and cop cars just blowing up and so like that kind of like got me going through the last movie which was the changeling with uh george c scott oh, which no. like it's a slow one. That's not one to end on. It's not a... I got to take issue with uh, the programming directors. That's not one to end on. I'm sorry. I will say that movie has the one, like, genuine, like, scary, like, actually had me terrified part in the entire marathon, which was the scene where they're doing the seance. And uh, I thought we were going to say when the title came up and you're like, oh, no, the changeling. I've never seen it. That's the last one. But, like, the, the seance scene is, like like scary as hell i'll give you that super creepy and then it gets all bogged down in this whole political thing yeah but like you know and it ends okay but like it's not it's not it's not like a a great grand finale so when it ended what time is it is like 7 a.m well it was like 11 30 damn so did you go home go sleep yeah i went home went to sleep got a got a bad cold nice was it worth it getting the cold that was the real scare worth it yeah Mm. but like i don't know Going back, it's like one of those things where the physical challenge of doing the marathon is like part of the appeal. Right. It's like you want to to do this horrible like thing that you should by no means be doing, like to force your way through it at, to prove some sort of point to yourself. But it, it's it's what's fun about it. And it's fun kind of like feeling the room get delirious and weird. Like you can kind of really 
sense the people because when you go to a theater you kind of sense what the people around you are feeling like you really feel like if the crowd is into the movie it helps you enjoy it more like if if you have a really good crowd for like a comedy and everyone's laughing you might laugh at a movie that you might not have been as into um or like in a horror movie if everyone's like really like getting creeped out it's it's a great effect because you really feel the atmosphere of of what's happening so with that it's it's interesting because you you start the night and everyone's pumped up and they have like a costume contest and and it's just like getting everyone revved up for this and then you start with a really like great banger of a movie which is trick or treat and everyone's like still feeling it like yeah all right and slowly as the night goes on the room people start pittering out and they leave and they're like they tap out and the people who stay start getting kind of sleepy and delirious and like you look over at like who's still around and they're kind of like nodding off or they're like like trying to like stay awake and like fight See, and I just sleep. think it was programmed wrong I think you got a program and kind of like a DJ like you gotta have a big you know energetic song and then like midway and then maybe a slow song and then maybe pick it up well, a little what, bit that's a you know i'm friends with the uh the program manager there and um that's what he exactly what he tries to do he tries he watches like through it several times at home to like get the rhythm and the like, whole marathon yeah he, and he like decides to, like he like plays with it and he tries to make sure like the next movie's not too similar for uh, of the last movie to like really like pull it out from you each time so you're getting something different and like he tries to time like a, like a real like pick me up like the hitcher at like the 7 a.m point where the hitcher was an inspired choice i'll give him that yeah but since it's only like negligibly a horror movie too yeah but i don't know i think uh i don't know i i, I wouldn't call this some of his best programming work and i don't yeah. know what his other programming work is but i don't know you can't end on the changeling that's my that's my mm-hmm. opinion and he can call in 718 718- <laughs> You know, three nine five nine seven one one, and tell me why I'm wrong. I mean, I, I'm more than welcome that, but uh, I'm calling you out, buddy. Changeling, not one to end on. I want to hear his reasoning. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. The marathon two years ago that I went to, the first one I went to was really good because uh, he threw in uh, Fulci's House by the Cemetery at like the six a.m. slot, mm. which is the perfect like what the hell is happening movie. I, I swear I thought that I dreamed that movie. That's a good time for that one. Yeah. Because it's so disjointed and bizarre and like already lost. In, there's, there's no, there's nothing concrete about what's happening in that movie. It's all very just free flowing and strange. So I, I honestly thought for a while that I had fallen asleep and had just imagined that movie. And that was him. That was, his, that was him. Yeah. That right was his on. work. Okay. He's, he's good. I'll defend him. And maybe the changeling was not his best choice, but I'll defend him as a, a program. Does he have a first director. name? His name is Mark. All right, Mark. He's a good guy. Credit where credit's due. He's a good... He, he knows his, his shit about horror movies. Call in, Mark. Yeah, I want to hear Mark's reasoning. Tell yeah. me why I'm wrong. He Well, he's also responsible for uh, booking Tromeo and Juliet this month, which I went to see. James Gunn. Never seen that before. James Gunn written... Film. Yeah, the the farts in that movie are impeccably timed. <laughs> like, no, there's the one scene where you almost you pretty much never hear that as a, uh, a critique <laughs> of a film. No, it's like there's that one scene where um like Tromeo's father is uh like Tromeo, Tromeo, wherefore art thou, Tromeo? Yeah, and it's like it it that's that was really sharp. That was really good, Lloyd Kaufman. Like, really on-point farts. I'm trying to think what other films you could say. I guess, like, the first Nutty Professor, you could say impeccably, impeccably timed farts. But Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Yep. Okay. 
impeccably timed fart movies. This yeah. is a whole other podcast episode. Yeah. I normally, I normally am not a fan of farts and movies. Like it really like annoys <laughs> me. But like that one, like something about it was like, you know what? You got my respect. That's impressive. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with more discussion. See you soon. Hello, Smug Film fans. Did you know that Smug Film now has a voicemail box? Just call the following phone number. 718395-9711 and leave a question or a comment about the show along with your name, and we may play it on a future episode. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. And now... Chloe Peltier, reviewing a movie she's seen parts of while working at the theater. Hey guys, I have an announcement, but I'm kind of nervous, so I'm going to do it as one of my favorite smug film voices, okay? Here we go. Hello, smug film fans. Did you know that Chloe Peltier now has a Twitter handle? Just type the following characters, at S-M-U-G- C-H-L-O-E, and leave a question or a comment about her snippets. But don't leave your name, because that will make you sound like a grandma on Twitter. Thank you for listening, and now, back to Chloe Peltier. Yeah guys, uh, your, uh, your iTunes didn't just rewind by accident, that was really me. I did an impression for you. I've always wanted to do an impression of that. I really like that thing. Anyway... Yeah, I have a Twitter now, at SmugChloe, so if you want to follow me, do that. So in the lobby at uh, my work near the box office, we have a cardboard standee for the new Creed movie. It has Rocky on it, and he's bigger than life size. It's just about from his waist upwards, and he's like creeping from behind a column. Somebody, I don't know who did this, but somebody did like a master stroke of placement on this guy because they put him where if you're coming from where the restrooms or the escalators are or coming out of theaters two or three you can see rocky peeking from behind this column and he's got and he's got his hands uh, and his pose in a way that just makes him look like he's being so suspicious and such a creeper and then on top of that the d in creed written above his head is covered it's obscured by the column so it looks like it says creep and it is just like the most brilliant shit i've ever seen and i took a picture of this and i put it on my facebook page and your boy cody was like man that would get so many more likes on twitter because people could see it who don't know you and all this stuff so if you want stuff like the picture of the rocky standee my comments on that, or if you want um, stuff similar to here, go for it. Or if you wanna, or if you wanna give me comments and questions about this stuff or whatever, yeah, that would be awesome. And so, yeah, I actually have been working Creed, and uh, as as many of you know, I've I've seen only the first Rocky film, and it's really interesting for me comparing old Rocky to young Rocky. And he still holds up. He's Sylvester Stallone does an incredible job. But the problem is the people next to him, the people acting alongside him, the younger people, it's like 
even though they're probably fine actors, they just don't hold up to him because he's just so incredible. And I feel like maybe once I've watched the others in between, I'll be more used to that other vibe and maybe I'll understand more what works about this one now, you know, with that transitional period in between. Thanks, Chloe. And now back to the show. And welcome back. All right, we got some plugs. Uh, We also want to just mention a couple of the Patreon donors. Anthony Chrislip donated to the show. Good guy. And uh, Leah Kasner donated to the show. We really appreciate your kind donation. And uh, thank you for your for your generosity. And uh, also our sponsors, of course. We've got uh, your buddy, Jenna. Jay Brenner. Jay Brenner. That's right, guys. I want to tell you about Jay Brenner. I've been reading tweets of his. That's what I've been doing. Do you know that Rob Delaney once faved a tweet of his? Damn. Let me read that tweet to you. All right. This was a tweet at real Donald Trump, the actual Donald Trump. Okay, yeah. And he wrote, hey, have you seen The Jerk? I like that part where the jerk guy goes, he hates the cans. I laugh out loud. Okay. That is a Rob Delaney faved tweet. Approved. Approved. Rob Delaney approved. Stamped. So what's his Twitter handle? Let's shout that out. At Bobby Slow. Follow him. At Bobby Slow. This guy has so many muscles. Why wouldn't you follow him? He's got so many followers. Followers. Have you seen this man's ratio? He follows like 200 people. He's got a thousand followers. He That's should, the mark of a winner. He should have at least one follower for every muscle in his body. He should. That's a goddamn point. It's a goddamn point. And we also have to thank, of course, Minor Key Games, folks. Really good games. Kyle and David Pittman. I enjoy them. Super win the game. That's my favorite. Have you played any, Jenna? Nope. Still you haven't. Goddamn bastard woman. I know. I, but you know what? I do love those guys a lot. They are fantastic and talented and super nice. Super so. nice guys. Fans of the show. Have you played any of them? I have not, but they're the best games in the world. That's true. See, this guy knows. Good point. Look, if Brad said it. Look, I am unbiased here. I no, am, he's, he's an outsider coming yeah. in. He doesn't know what's going on, but he knows what's real. And he'll give it to you straight there. That Brad. Point being, Super Win the Game, I genuinely adore that game. I beat it in like three days because I just played it obsessively. I think I was like the first person to beat it on Steam. Uh, I enjoy that game thoroughly. Check it out, minorkeygames.com. And also, last but not least, Rick Harper, our boy, Rick. Rick. Canada. Canada. Born and raised. Oh. Yeah. And And, uh, he's he's been on the show a couple of times and... Roomfulofspoons.com. Go there. Roomful of Spoons. What's shaping up to be, and I will say it, the definitive documentary on The Room. The cult hit The Room. Agreed. What all these things you, I'm hearing about, uh, what is it, Franco Rogan? They're making a room thing? Yeah. Fuck that. No. It's inferior. That. Totally gotta... unbiased man says it's inferior. I've I've met both Sestero and Wiseau. Uh-huh. And, um, Not impressed. No, 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 I'm very impressed, <laughs> but I don't think, well, Sestero's a good guy. He's, he's nice. He's a really cool he's guy. He's super nice. He's, he's very down to earth. He signed a, a picture of himself wearing a Speedo for me. That's Wiseau. incredible. I've had the fold Tommy Wiseau's underwear, so is not. While he was wearing it? Or? <laughs> While on I the hope man. he never wore them <laughs> okay. because he was selling them. 
but I would not put it past that man to like personally try on every pair and approve it. I hey, I'd pay extra. Big crotch bulge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, he's he's uh, he's exactly how you think he would be. We ha- we've had him on the show. He was great. He was. Uh, I enjoyed that episode. I, I enjoyed that thoroughly. If you haven't listened to the Tommy Wiseau episode, go back and listen to that one. That was a fun one. We had him on the phone. Wasn't as good as our episodes with Rick Harper. Well, they were they're all up there. <laughs> well, I'll put I put them neck and neck. But the point being roomfullofspoons.com. Dot com. Check it out. See where they're at. I don't know when it's coming out. Why don't you tell me? Why don't you go to the website there, listener? Heck yeah, and then call the voicemail. Tweet me and tell me when that movie comes out. Or leave a voicemail. 718-395-9711. And uh, let us know when that movie comes out. Do all my Googling for me. I'm going to outsource my Googling in 2016. That's my that's my new, uh, new uh, what, do you, what do they call resolutions? I was going to say campaign platform. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Clark 2016. And we're going to outsource all Googling. For every Clark, citizen. Clark Trump 2016. That's right. It's not too late to jump in the race. I know. All right. So going back to theaters and whatnot, me and Brad have been going through this similar thing, which is we don't really care about new movies anymore. We're not. It's not like we're apathetic teenagers about it. Yeah. You guys got to elaborate for that. If anything, we're getting a little old, you know, because it used to be an alert to a new movie coming out. You know, it's like a big event. It's like, yay. Like, I mean, I'm excited for Star Wars or whatever, but you see this thing with like Marvel every couple months. All right, you got to see Ant-Man. All right, you got to see uh, Plant-Man. All right, you got to see Can't-Man. Like all these heroes to come out and you never even heard of half of them. And uh, you know what? I do want to see Can't-Man. <laughs> no. <laughs> Everybody's like, my, my burning baby, rescue. I can't. I'm sorry. I wish I could. Oh, I was thinking like a manual can't. Yeah, I was thinking like... <laughs> If if someone someone's just got to make like a good somber biopic of Emmanuel Kant, but then name it Kant Man, yes. yeah, to rebrand it. But Kant I do man. like I can't do it, man. That's just a uh, what's it? Bartleby the Scribner. I prefer not yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like in the after credit scene of like Kant Man, like G Jack shows up, and you're like, oh, I got to see the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are going places with this that I didn't even dream of. I'm impressed. But uh, yeah, new movies. It's got, I can't get allured by the idea of something being new anymore because you know what happens? People see things and then a couple months later, they don't talk about them anymore. They'll have a couple months, oh, Ant-Man, 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 and then silence. Whereas a movie like Punisher Warzone, people are still talking about it because it's a great movie. It worked. It had something to it. Right, Brad? Well, like um, for, for this whole issue, for me, it would be everyone would get hyped up about whatever new movie is coming out, Jurassic World or whatever, and I just, I could not get excited for them because I've seen so many of these blockbusters and modern blockbusters are just, they're not what I'm interested in. Like, I'm not gonna, like, I'm sure we've talked plenty on this show about, you know, the problems with modern blockbusters, but the key point is just that I'm not interested in them anymore. That's not where my interests lie. Nope. With a few exceptions, like, you know, like, I'm I'm fully on, like, the Mad Max Fury Road train, but, you know, we don't have to talk about that, but, like, you know, that's a movie I wanted to see. Like, I wanted to go see that. It did something unique and original that I was interested in seeing. And it was a gave me a great theater experience, which is what I was saying earlier, where I really like going to the theater. But the movies that are playing just aren't what I want to see. So which is why I really appreciate repertory screenings now and like indie theaters 
that are showing the movies that I care about seeing. But I I used to have this kind of obligate this sort of feeling of obligation to go see the big movies that everyone was talking about because then people would ask me and they'd say, "Did you see this yet? Have you asked about it?" It's like, FOMO. That's yeah. a term, fear of missing out. Yeah, it's a real term. And that's the same. It, it, that's exactly that. You, it's a fear of like, oh, I'm not going to see Jurassic World in theaters. Who am I as a person if I don't? Yeah, because YOLO. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a mix of YOLO and FOMO. It's like, how bad could it be? I'll see Jurassic World. But I'm gonna play. I'm I gotta play see it because I gotta see it. John D'Amico in this, and just say, you know, you can't just dismiss all all new movies or all like Hollywood movies, like blockbuster movies, because as you said, then you get something like Mad Max, which turned, which you know, the originals certainly were not like blockbuster budget, and then maybe by the end they got, I don't know what the budget of the last movie was, but the first one was fairly low key, and then uh, you know, so this new movie became this huge blockbuster hit, and like you know, it was good. And it's timeless. That's the thing yeah. here. When you go see old I movies didn't... shown in theaters, they're timeless. No, I the want to see something timeless. Yeah, I don't. You think that was timeless? Yeah, that, people are going to be talking about that movie forever. That new one. I, I mean, didn't... certainly it's lasted longer than say, like you know, I, I, you know, I saw Gone Girl on a complete whim. I think I was bored, and I was like in theaters. I was like, fine. Oh, you know what? I had just watched Zodiac, and I was like, you know what? I want to. I'm going to see Gone Girl. I'm going to see if it's any good fucking hated it hated it and everyone loved it and everyone was talking about it for 20 years what it felt like but it was really more like 20 hours and then i've never not heard a single yeah, thing this about is exactly it. what i mean it's not timeless there's no shelf life whatsoever whereas i do think you know I, i'm not that big of a guy into it i don't i don't care about it too much but mad max for your road people are gonna be talking about that movie forever just I think they were going to talk means. about it at least more often than they would ever bring up Gone Girl. I mean, but yeah. then again, there's some movies where I'm just not in the loop like, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Catching Fire. Yeah, oh, the Hunger Games. Games. Yeah, the Mocking Hunger Games. I them, yeah. See, I, cl- I can't even remember the name of it. I actually saw the first one. It didn't really do it for me, but, um, you know, like they were, it was fine. Like, but that's something that people really care about and people still talk about it. And like that in Twilight, which I really don't like, I've seen a little more of. Yeah. But who's watching Twilight in the last couple of years? That's what I was going to bring up because that was part of the realization I had where Twilight, when it was happening, everyone would either, they hated it so much. They had to complain about it or they loved it. And then once that last movie came out, came out, crickets it stopped. Crickets, literal mm. crickets. I don't think that's true with Twilight because I've heard about Twilight since people bring it up, and now they're making a new book where they're gender swapping. I think it just kind of depends on like the age group, and then you know, versus like some of these. I, I agree with you. Like, yeah, they, they come out, and then you never hear another. Like Fifty Shades of Grey, no one cares mm. about that movie, even though everyone like was all buzz about that ant-man's book. a perfect example too Ant-Man, a lot i think the superhero movies yeah completely yeah. most no guilty of it right now would be superhero movies where they come out four months later mum's a word because nobody nobody cares about them anymore even though they were so excited when they saw them there's a handful that people talk about but if they're like not the best if, if they're if they're just don't meet their own standards then um they drop off like the Thor sequel, no one talks about it, but people are still talking about the Captain America sequel. Like people are still talking about that one. I still hear about the ori- the first Avengers, 
but um not so much the second one nope the second one everyone hated it and now it's not no one's talking about no to one the talks. point where i wasn't sure when it was released i wasn't sure <laughs> like may when it even came out or whatever it was definitely this year and it's like the worst movie i saw this year i thought it came out like a year before it actually did because i'm i'm totally out of loop with the marvel stuff but i think i confused it with like iron man 3 or something else I don't know what it was, but I thought, I was like, didn't Avengers 2 come out? And everyone was like, no, we've been waiting for it. And I'm like, are you sure? I just think there's too much. It's just like, you know, they're just flooding the sort of market with these newer movies. But I mean, like, I'm, you know, I see that we see it with television a lot right now. There's so many TV shows. It's just impossible to watch every show. You know, there's like pie charts you can Google for yourself. You're going to pick your couple. Yeah, of what comes out and how many have come out. I feel like movies are, are following that trend, too, especially with the, the superhero stuff, which I just can't even keep track of. Well, it's kind of like with TV. You got to kind of like, all right, you, you, my friend, you're going to watch this, this and that. And you're going to tell me how it is. And like you, you're going to watch these other three and you're going to tell me how like it's like everybody has to go off like you're doing the Nick. I know you're doing the Nick, right? The Nick. Everyone so go watch the Nick. You're my person who's watching the Nick because somebody's got to watch like everything. You got to have all your friends have to go off in their own little corners and watch shit and let you know what the good shit is. Like that happened for me with Justified. Like my friend Nick was like, yeah, you got to watch Justified. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through it. It's like everybody's like your reconnaissance with uh, with uh, everybody's talking about we're in a renaissance with uh, TV. I'd say we're in a reconnaissance because everyone's going out and doing reconnaissance work. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting bringing up the whole idea of what's going to be, what's going to stand the test of time. Because I was thinking back, um, I think it's Hollywood Reporter or somebody around Oscar time now, they're releasing uh, interviews, anonymous interviews with Oscar voters who tell how they voted and why they voted that way. And there was like one person who voted for the imitation game as the best picture because they're like this is a movie it's gonna we're gonna be talking about this movie in 50 years uh-huh. like it's <laughs> it's uh it you know it was amazing and and when's the last time anyone talked about the imitation game what when were the oscars that it, was the yeah, last it was, day it was disappointing yeah. the imitation game. it wasn't bad i actually you know it had its moments but they just didn't delve enough into his personal life which was the, the whole point of the fucking hit it was a, the downfall of his entire life and they, they didn't they just touch on it they're like maybe he's gay yeah like yeah. fucking come on it's a little ridiculous all right we are going to wrap it up here folks any final thoughts for the audience i have uh, i've <laughs> i haven't been watching anything i was <laughs> i had a friend over i got sick and then i went out i was out of town i'm i'm not i don't even know what I'm you didn't you didn't use being sick to just watch a ton of things no, I had to because I was like while out of town came became ill and then like um, you know came back had to go to work like it's just it's been I've been watching uh well my, when my friend was around we watched Disney movies that's all she wanted to do is watch Disney movies I'm fine with that are you friends with a little girl <laughs> no Disney's great I love Disney uh, and actually rewatching a lot of them I haven't watched them in so long like we watched uh what was it like The Lion King Little Mermaid um. There has to be another one. We watched several. But you know what? The Lion King was something that was my absolute... Oh, Aladdin. I love Aladdin. But both of those, like, watching that as a, a kid, I loved it so much. And then watching it now, I still laughed at certain things, and I still found uh, references in Aladdin to be clever. You know, I thought it was actually... They, had, they have great staying power. Mm. You know, and there's a reason they're so good. I mean, they really are. You know, the, and the music is great. Yeah. And I have to say... 
because I went to Disney World in the last the other month, I was like, oh, I got to catch up on the new Disney movies I haven't watched. So I watched Tangled and Frozen. And Frozen has like an interesting story and it has a really good ending. I don't, did you guys see it? Probably not. Yeah, I've seen parts. It. You saw it? Yeah. I, I like that it was two sisters. I like that they save each other. There's no like, you know, Prince Charming coming in. It was like, yeah, this was like a really progressive and interesting take on it. I hated the snowman, even though I like what's his face in real life uh, as a comedian. Josh Gad. Josh Gad. I feel like I've like mentioned this before and you've said that before. I got a real deja vu. <laughs> and But the music in that just was so... I just didn't like it. I thought the lyrics were really cheesy. The only song I thought was okay was the Do You Want to Build a Snowman? The Let It Go song was just... I, I don't like it. I don't like Adina Menzel's Let voice. Let it go, Jenna. Let it go. <laughs> I um with me though that movie I thought like when I saw it I understood like oh this is a really good kids movie like I understand why kids love it but then when everyone like our age in their twenties was going crazy over it, I'm like are you people Alex Hyatt seen it like fifteen times I'm like it's it's okay he loves it like I I don't know what's with those like little mossy rock people I didn't get that part like what is yeah I didn't get that either or or you know it's got like the biggest cliche like fairy tale cliche of like he was evil the whole time deal in there and it's like you know but like a kid if you're like seven years old and you're watching his movie it's like great yeah it's excellent it's a good kids movie it's it's a, it's fine if you're like a parent or a babysitter and you're watching it with it but like. I don't know. I can't get behind like watching it on my own 15 times. Mm. Yeah. Frozen, I just thought was okay. Whereas Tangled, I actually really liked uh, the music from Tangled was so far superior. The only problem, and it was actually um, the music for that was Alan Menken who does move. He did, did the music for a whole bunch of other Disney movies. They're really good stuff. He did like Aladdin. Didn't yeah. He? And you can tell it's just that the lyrics are better. They're clever. The music is just like, just more aesthetically pleasing. Like I, you know, and the only problem with Tangled I found, and I really liked that the stakes were sort of low. It was like, she wants to see these lights, you know? And she's like, I've always been in this tower. I see these lights. I want to see them up close. She just wants to see some lights. Yeah. And that, and I really like that about it. There was no like, you know, the world's going to end or like, you know, you're, you're going to die. Like, no, it was like really like just sort of like friendly and nice and about like making goals and like achieving them. I thought that was a, like also. She achieved her goal of looking at some lights. Yep, she saw them. Spoiler. <laughs> the only thing that I thought that Tangled lacked was, um, and actually, let me just say for a CGI movie, which I really don't like CGI for the most part, it was actually very beautifully done. I actually thought Tangled looked re really nice considering it just didn't have a showstopper song. You know, there was not like one. They didn't one... play Tangled Up in Blue. <laughs> it would have been amazing. That, that just rolls over the credits. It would have been so good. <laughs> I, I think I spend way too much time thinking about like songs that should be credits to movies. Like oh, yeah. Opening credit songs or ending credit songs and like <laughs> a movie just perfectly end or begin on this song. And I just, I can't think of what happens in the middle, but the ending credits, I got it figured out. We got any examples? I don't know. I, I would love to see like a movie like kick off to like Raspberry Beret and then just have this kind of like, I don't know, like a, a mix of like rainbow colors, like swirling and like kind of like not psychedelic, but like smoky and like called purple rain. Yeah. No, it doesn't have <laughs> raspberry beret in it. No. I actually just watched purple rain and that movie is like very disappointing except for all the great music in it. What? Oh, I yeah. love purple rain. Nah, what? Nah. His like, little puppet fella. Little puppet, puppet fella? Puppet little, fella. There's a little puppet that yeah, he's he has got. A little puppet guy. I don't remember a little puppet. It's in a little cone and he has a little puppet and he's in the dressing room. 
Does he? I don't know. I I just watched that movie and I don't remember that. Oh, the puppet thing is amazing. I think you have to bathe in the Lake Minnetonka. The waters of purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Yeah, right now in front of us. <laughs> but that's yeah. not Lake Minnetonka. Oh man, he knew. That's a good movie. I, yeah. I like Purple Rain. I love a lot. Purple Rain. I like. I don't know. I just. I felt like the the album is so good. The music. Oh, is, it's in, perfect. It's incredible. But then I'm like the movie. I'm like anytime there's not music playing. I'm like come on the time. They make that whole movie. Without the time, it would have been a lesser film. Jerome. I love Jerome. See, but that, that's almost like a Disney, like an R-rated Disney movie in a way. Purple Rain? Yeah. You know, because it has all those beats. You know, it's like, here's the evil guy. Here's the good guy. Yeah. Here's the girl. You know, A lot like, of music beats, too. Yeah. Good music. Yeah. It's a bit of a stretch, but I could see it. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Brad, for coming to New York City just to do a podcast. That was the only thing you were here for, and that's all you did, right? Yeah. All right. Except and, for all the things I just talked about doing at the beginning of the episode. I'll cut those out. <laughs> but uh, Jenna, thank you for coming. Thanks. <laughs> I, I never thank you for coming. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I should start thanking you. You, I just you really should. I guess I just take you for granted. God damn it. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye.